Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Genesis 1-1 through 2-4. The passage will be on the screen for you. Or if you like, please turn to Genesis in your Bible. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind, with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. 
God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because it is because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Damn. It's the word of the Lord for us today. Um, so we're, we're, we're starting Genesis this week. And uh, we'll, we'll take a couple of weeks and go through um, several different passages. We won't do all of Genesis because Genesis is really long and some parts of it are really boring. Now, not as boring as like Leviticus or Numbers, but uh, <laughs> you really want a sermon from Leviticus or Numbers? Yeah, okay. <laughs> we can talk later. Uh, um, it's all important. The Bible is all important. And... Uh, there's some, some really good stuff in those, those books that we don't preach from very often. Uh, watch, lightning might strike me, I don't know. Well, I love, I love the book of Genesis, and I, I love this particular passage uh, especially. And, and part of it is because there's, well, there's such richness here that I think we, we miss. We, uh, maybe we get stuck on our little children's Bibles, right, with the brightly colored pictures and uh, the somewhat risque drawings of Adam and Eve uh, that always make you wonder, like, what's under that hair? Uh, but laugh, people! It wasn't intended. To, I mean, like, I didn't plan that out ahead of time, but I thought it would. Uh, well, anyway, I, I love this passage because it, it says it says some really, really important things about who God is and about who we are in relation to God. And and if I if, if I'm completely honest, this has shaped this passage in, in I've preached from this before here, but it, this has shaped who I am as a person and as a pastor in, in ways that are hard to state. Um, but the book of Genesis, especially this very beginning, it raises a lot more questions than it answers, right? Uh, we come away with, with uh, from reading this and being like, uh, and the Bible study this morning talked about this, we're like, what was God doing before God created? Well, we don't know. Like, <laughs> what were the angels doing? Were they, were, you know, when were they made? How long was it from be- the time that God was and, and by the time God created and brought everything into existence? And, and we, just, we just don't have answers to those particular questions. Uh, someday we, we, might, we might know. Uh, in general, though, I think uh, this, these, especially these beginning stories uh, and the Bible in general, end up asking more questions uh, than we maybe like to think. I think us pondering the questions that Scripture raises is important for us and how we grow uh, and, and mature. I don't know, uh, when people give you the answer to something, you're, you're not as likely to internalize it and understand it, right? That's why we don't let people cheat on tests, right? Or, or just have a copy of the thing there. Yeah, you, you have the knowledge. You maybe have it for a moment, but it's not become a part of, of who you are or as much as math can be a part of who you are. But uh, you get what I'm saying. Like when we, when we ask these questions and ten- spend time pondering what they mean, uh, we have a tendency to internalize them a little bit more and, and to have it shape who we are, how we love and live uh, in relation to God. So, that's where, uh, that's where this is all going, anyway, today. 
Um, I, uh, there are three questions that we're going to answer. We're going to try to answer. Why did God create? Uh, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And why did God create uh, maybe knowing that it was all going to go as, as it did, poorly? Um, and, and I think I have some decent answers for that. Uh, and, and we might not look at, well, we'll see how this goes anyway. Um, I, I did want to say, though, that we look at the, uh, the very beginning. And, and the book of Genesis is not to be a scientific textbook, right? If, if it was, then we would have answers and not questions. Uh, but verse 1, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, actually, it would be better translated saying, in the beginning, when God began to create. Uh, that, that in a sense, that creation isn't a, a single act. Uh, and perhaps that's borne out by the reason uh, that it's communicated in several different days in a row. And, and I, don't, I don't think, actually, I don't think that God has stopped creating uh, in the midst of our world. Uh, now, yes, the, the earth is formed. Uh, space is there, and there are planets, and we can explore them. But, but I think that even in the small and mundane ways, God continues to create here and now. Uh, y- you might have noticed as uh, Sam read the passage, it goes through what the things that, that God created. And one of the things that jumped out to me was that he created plants that had seeds. I don't like, that seems like a, a really, a really tiny observation, but you guys know what seeds are, right? Right? They go into the ground, and you grow more plants. Like, the, and the animals do this too. From the very beginning, the fabric of what God has created is to be, uh, well, it's to multiply, to be fruitful, and to grow that it is a continuation of God's act of creation, that this world that we belong into can, well, can, can grow and become more than it seemed right at, at first. Uh, that's the, the animals uh, as well. Uh, he gets to us, though, uh, and he says, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion, over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the world. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill all the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and every living thing Excuse me, that moves upon the earth. Uh, there's a couple things there I want, I want us to, to stop on. The very first commandment that God gives us is to be fruitful and multiply. Now, uh, beside the obvious ramifications of that, um, I think from the very beginning, from the very beginning, creation is a participatory event. That we were never meant to just kind of sit on the sidelines of what God is doing. But from the very beginning, from the the moment we were constructed and put together and from the moment that God breathed his life into us through the Spirit, we were created to participate with the world and to be creative in a way that, well, maybe that the seeds can't be, 
or that the fish can't be or the cattle can't be. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot, and I think participation is a word that I, I have thrown out a, a, a lot, and we'll get to this next week, uh, but sinfulness breaks our ability to participate in the creative work of God in our world. In fact, sinfulness actually finds us working against the creative acts of God in this world because our sinfulness always breaks either ourselves or someone else. So uh, a big part of of what I uh, imagine us to do, what I hope that we do, what I hope and pray that we do, is that we allow God to, to heal our brokenness so that we might not break creation even more, but that we might be agents of creation ourselves in our families, in our church, in our community. You and I are created to participate in the creative acts of God in our world. I think I, think I can say this. Salvation, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, is probably the second greatest act of creation after this particular story. Just because it, it fixes the brokenness. Okay. Uh, a couple of things, though, that I think we need to address in this passage as well. Uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. Now, dominion has uh, maybe a little bit about a bad connotation, right? It, uh, maybe we take the word domination from it, uh, to, to dominate it, to bring it under submission and, and to make it do our will. And I, and I don't think at all that's what the authors of Genesis are talking about. And I don't think it's what God is hoping for us. I, I think it really goes back to we've, God's created this great and wild place, uh, but it's not yet mature. Uh, and, and we're invited to help bring it to maturity and to fullness. Now, I, I think we have to understand in the midst of that too, the ice in my cup is stuck to the bottom of my straw. Anyway, I think we have to recognize that we were created in immaturity as well, I think. Uh, that, that even though God has invited us into this participation, participatory creation that we ourselves are not yet fully perfect. So when, when we talk about what we are supposed to do with creation, it is more like stewardship rather than uh, dominating or dominion. Okay, so that, th- those are, we'll come back to some of that. Um, but I do want to ask these two questions. Uh, why did God create? And I think, I think that the, the best image that I have is, is the church has confessed from the beginning of time, uh, well, beginning of the church, that, that God's essence is love, right? And one of the things that church has confessed is that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is why, uh, which is why we get this kind of language. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, uh, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and that's a, I struggle with some of these concepts, right? Because they're, they're big and it's hard and we don't have the language necessarily to, 
to, to understand, well, how can God be three things but one at the same time? And, and people have, have, uh, have struggled with how to articulate this. In fact, Josh has shared with me a YouTube video of uh, all of, the, all of the, the heresies that have gone along with... Uh, anyway, it's, it's a cartoon. So if you like cartoons and heresy, then talk to Josh. He will, he's all about it. He's all about it. All about heresy. Um, but, but we struggle. But so one of, the, one of the ways the church came up with, with talking about how God is love, that God is a relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, is uh, it's, there's a Greek word, and I've used this before. Uh, it's called perichoresis, and it really just means a circle dance. Like it, it's, a, it's a unity of movement and purpose in God. So God is self-contained. God, the love that flows between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is, is all that God ever needed, but, but God desired. Because God is love, and love is always outgoing. Love's always directed towards something for its betterment and flourishing. If it's not, then it's not really love. So God, in, in, in his essence as being love, decides to create something which can return the love that God has to give. So, so in this movement of mutuality and uh, mutual submission, we've talked about that a couple of times, right? Where uh, the father loves the son and the son loves the father and the spirit ties all of that together and, and there's no domination and there's no, I would say, hierarchy. By the way, uh, this image of who God is, and I think this is why this passage has been so influential for me. Um, this is how I want to live. This is how I want to understand my relationships, all of the most important relationships in my life that it would be a movement of mutual love and respect and accountability. I want my marriage to be typified by uh, unity of purpose and movement. I want my relationship with my kids, as much as I have to think for them sometimes, uh, that I want to see my relationship with my, my three boys as being one of mutual love, and, and that, that evolves over time. Very much, I want to see my role among you all in the same way. That there is a mutual flow of love and unity and purpose and accountability. That whatever we are doing, our relationships look like what God is. Love. And, and that maybe even, and, and so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dancing, Spirit moves out into the world to draw us back into this relationship with God. I think that's why we're created in the image of God. That's the next, that's the next one. Uh, we're created in the image of God because God has invited us to dance that, that divine dance with him. That God's opened up himself to us so that we might join with him in this dance of love. And I think that if we take that image and make it be part of us, 
that you and I, as we learn how to be in that mutual relationship together, that then we are part of the Spirit's movement out into the world to draw other people into God's love as well. We're created in the image of God, whatever that might actually mean. One, I think it does mean that we are creative beings, that God has created us to create. I think it means that we are created with a capacity to love and to love selflessly. To love without fear or to love without the threat of domination. I think that's what it's, well, how we're made in the image of God. But I think we're also made in the image of God in that we are given the choice to whether we are going to do those things or not. That if love, love that is not freely given is not love, right? I think that's the other way. We, we are able to choose whether we are going to live into this relationship that God has created us to be in. And I think that answers maybe our third question. Why did God create if it might have turned out poorly. Well, I, I think, I think pro- God probably had a pretty good idea. Because <laughs> God's not going to force us to love. In, in that choice, we have the ability to choose, uh, as the Spirit draws us into relationship with God, we have the, the ability, and we will talk about this next week, to believe that the love that God is giving us and the boundaries that God is giving to us within that relationship. I wish we could get into that a little bit. Uh, that we have the, the ability to believe that God is not loving us with our best interest in mind. The ability to believe that God is not, that God is holding out something from us. And so we, we seek to to grab those things for ourselves, and in doing so, we reject God and the love that God is giving us. My, my hope, it's, and some of this isn't new, right? My hope is that this is the people, the kind of people we become. That we would be known in our community as the people who love with a unity of purpose and movement, that we love selflessly, that we are always with open arms ready to invite and embrace others in to the love of Christ that has been shared with us. I hope that's who we are. I hope that's who we're becoming, but I realize that we're dumb and we're stubborn. And we don't get that right all the time. Like one of the reasons we participate in, in this meal, because we don't get it right. And we constantly need to be reminded of the fact that the, the selfless, loving nature of God is in, in those little bits of bread and juice because of what they represent. They represent God's selfless act of love and sacrifice on our behalf. 
and I say this all the time too, that when we eat that little bit of bread and that little bit of juice, that, that yeah, we're, just, we're not just reminded, but we are strengthened then to go out into our world and love. Now, it may not feel like that every single time, and I think that's okay. Because when you, well, when you need it, that love is there. That reminder of who God is and who God is calling us to be is there. We are called to participate in the creative acts of God in our world. And we are to do so full of selfless love, love that doesn't seek to dominate, but that always seeks to embrace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this story we have this morning. The story of creation and what it says about you and that the creative moment that you started way back isn't, isn't over. That you were always in the midst of creation in in our world, that you're always in the act of recreating and restoring and making new. Uh, not just our world, but our, our lives. Lord, we come to you as imperfect people who confess our, our brokenness. We confess that we lack the ability to always participate with you in your creating and saving work in our world. We confess that, that we have allowed ourselves um, to view love as a thing that dominates and not, and not as something that is always self-giving and looking out for the good of the other. Lord, we confess these things in our weakness and we come to you and to your table to be reminded and to be strengthened to be reminded that we are to participate in your, your good work and creation. To remind us of what love really is and, and to imagine and see that in the, in the stark relief that it is. That it's made manifest in your death on a cross. And that it is brought to fruition in your resurrection defeating sin and death, never to die again. Proving that the power of love is opposite of what the world thinks. Lord, help us to love in the same way that you have loved us. Help us to build relationships with each other and with those outside of this place in that circle dance kind of way. Mutuality of purpose and movement and self-giving. Where we thank you for your grace which allows us to continue to participate with you even today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.